You sit at a desk. They sit at a desk. You have sales reports. They have book reports. You need supplies. They need supplies. Business is a lot like school. That's why your small business should take advantage of back-to-school deals at Staples. Now, Staples 1-inch 3-ring binders are $1.92. One-subject notebooks are just $0.25, cents, and two-pocket poly folders are just $0.35 cents each. Make back-to-school your business at Staples. In-store only while supplies last. Offer ends 9-1-18, limit 30. Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, it's Kevin coming to you with another Finsider podcast. Welcome back. As you can tell, my voice is not quite all the way up to par today, so uh, that means we'll get a lot more out of our co-hosts than out of me, but with that, let's go ahead and welcome in Duke. How are you tonight? I'm pretty good. I I do know that I'm away from my computer and didn't get your uh, trumpets in. I'm sorry about that. Uh, that, That's all right. I'll survive this time. (laughs) And of course, James, how are you tonight? I'm good. Good. Glad to hear that. It's a... it's a busy week for the Dolphins. We, uh, from the last podcast to tonight, had uh, two preseason games, an episode of Hard Knocks, uh, just all kinds of stuff happening. So let's uh, get right into it. What's uh, what's the uh, top Dolphins news story for you guys right now? The uh... My top Dolphin story hasn't happened yet, and that is who we are going to acquire by t- sometime this weekend to be our wide receivers. Because apparently we're going after, I'd say at least two, maybe three. Yeah, I've I've, I've heard all the uh, rumors, and of course everybody thinks it's a different person, whether it's Dwayne Bow or Mike Wallace or uh, just about anybody that they think can be had for a trade right now. So we'll see who it ends up being. I mean, I don't think we're going to necessarily get a uh <clears throat> excuse me. I don't necessarily think we're going to get a huge name. I mean, we'll get a decent name, I think, but I mean, we're not uh we're not getting uh I don't know, Brandon Marshall, but no. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Mike Wallace and Dwayne Bowes, that that's that's probably out of out of the question there. I, I mean, it's anything's possible, and and Jeff Island seems like he's the kind of guy that can wheel and deal and, and get somebody like that. I just don't think those teams are going to part with those guys at this point. Um, the Steelers hold all the cards with Wallace because he's not a tender. And so they can still franchise him next year for next to nothing. She doesn't sign a long-term deal. Bo could be a free agent next year, but uh, we'd have to wait till then to get him. So yeah, um, the name being thrown out about there, thrown out out there a lot is James Jones from uh, the Packers. The Packers. Um, Jared Boykin is a guy that may make the Packers roster, or uh, they have some guys that. That may get cut that we can pick up that would that would be helpful. Um, one name that I brought up today 
in, in a post was uh, Andre Roberts from the Cardinals. I looked on the depth chart and they have him starting, so I don't know that they'd be willing to get rid of him. But they need a quarterback in the worst way, and if and if uh, Kolb and Skelton stink it up tonight, then even though Matt Moore's looked kind of bad in this preseason, uh, I think he's got enough record behind him that you can say, hey, you know, we might could swing some kind of deal and pick up Andre Roberts, who at some point is going to be behind the depth chart, uh, behind uh, Michael Floyd on the depth chart. And so that was just a name I threw out there. But there's some options. It's just, it's just a wait-and-see thing. I think what fans need to realize is that whoever we're going to pick up this year is, you know, they're going to help out some this year, but it's going to be more for next year when we look into the draft. Get a guy early right. like Woods, Allen, uh, Williams, uh, Marquez Wilson, somebody like that, who, uh, and and we're going to build on that, and then we're going to have a pretty good little squad. Yeah, I think I think that's the <clears throat> excuse me, I think that's the thing that uh, the, uh, the the fan base needs to. Make sure they're 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 keeping in the back of their mind is we could go out there right now and sign Dante Stallworth, but does he make us better for years down the road, or is he simply a stopgap for this year? And if he's simply a stopgap for this year, do we want to do that and lose developing somebody? Because yeah, granted, Legadu uh, Nene is not gonna um, suddenly develop into a massive great uh receiver but bj cunningham could and if we're getting stallworth do we lose a roster spot for somebody that could develop like cunningham or like hogan or like fuller or matthews somebody well i think the guy who's who who needs to be uh you know keeping his bags packed right now is legged in the knee uh because if we go out and trade for a guy or pick somebody up. We're not picking up a guy to be, you know, a fourth, fifth, or sixth guy on the roster. We're picking up a guy that's going to come in and play immediately and start. You know, when we've got a three wide receiver set, we're looking at Heartline's healthy, Heartline, best, and whoever we acquire. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, right now, if, if we stay put, he's safe. Because he's just he's got experience and, and some production in the league. If we go out and get a guy, I need the guy to go. You're, I mean, you can say keep him as the fourth guy, but you know at that point you're looking at a fourth wide receiver, a fifth wide receiver. These guys are special teams guys and guys you want to develop. And I would rather use that spot. If it were me, I would rather use that spot on a guy like Clyde Gates, who's got unreal speed. That just you know he came from a D2 school. No, you know, no. Uh, uh, preseason work last year with the uh, lockout stuff. So he's still still learning, but he's got speed, he's got quick feet, can get open. And from everything I've seen from him this, this preseason, he, he tries to make catches. I mean, in the Atlanta game, he went up, caught that one, it went out of bounds, but it was a tough catch, he made it. And he's the only guy right now on the roster that, that you have to respect his speed. Then you've got a guy like Rashard Matthews, who I think has maybe has played his way onto the roster because he's made some tough catches. That touchdown in Carolina was unreal, just dragging three or four people into the end zone, made some big catches. Um, so I think, you know, you're not going to keep Lega doing the knee over guys like that who you say, hey, I can develop this guy. Let me get somebody else as a trade or off the waiver wire to be our starter, 
third guy or whatever. And uh, so yeah. I think he's gone. I think uh, since since suddenly my uh, my sounding board has four callers on it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce Keith, who I assume is my fourth caller. Keith, how are you tonight? Good. I'm glad you made it. So, uh, what's your take on the wide receivers? Uh, we need more of them. <laughs> but <laughs> simply put, it, um, I like Richard Matthews. I liked him when we drafted him. I drafted him. I think he's going to turn into something. I don't know about uh, B.J. Cunningham. I want to think he's going to turn out well. It's kind of he's a tough one to figure out of the young receivers we have. He's the one who I'm probably the most perplexed by. But I, I don't know. What uh, Duke said that is a good point is, I mean, because we're in a West Coast offense, we're going to be bringing these guys in and. In a good way, it's a, it's almost like a quantity on top of quality receiver core. Yes, instead of exactly. Having, instead of having one superstar and a couple of guys who who play worthy sidekicks, I mean, you have a you you'll probably have one guy who stands a little bit above the rest, but the uh, the other guys in the in the wideout group are all about as capable as said receiver number one. So. Uh, the the thing is, you wanna you wanna add options, which is why I I, I was talking today about bringing in someone like James Jones or uh, a handful of the some of the other guys Duke mentioned. I mean, because the, the one thing people need to understand, and I'm not sure everyone here does understand, is if James Jones comes here. He's not he's not the the go to guy. Right. He's not someone who comes in and becomes the alpha dog or anything. He becomes a, another cog in the wheel. He becomes a very, a very effective, very important cog in the wheel. But, I mean, he, all he is is another option in the West Coast. He's not a go-to guy. He's not someone who's going who's gonna to see an abnormal amount of targets compared to the other guys. But his presence commands respect out of the defense, and that's the idea of the West Coast, the fact that you can't ignore that guy. And suddenly when uh, you can't ignore that guy, then maybe it takes a little bit of pressure off of, you know, best in the plot. Or take exactly. a little pressure off of Matthews or Nane. I don't know what Nane's problem is, by the way. I don't. That, he he practices well, but it doesn't translate on the field for some reason. That's I that's what I'm getting out of this. Part of, part of me is just thinking that it's a it's a chemistry thing between uh, he and Tannehill. I think it's something that needs to develop more, uh, especially because I mean we're at the point. I mean yeah, Nane wasn't wasn't seeing throws from Tannehill. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, he was getting a lot of them from Gerard, a lot from Moore, and now Tannehill's the guy, and maybe he's just not, not in sync with our, our our rookie quarterback. But because that's all I can think of, because not, not frankly, Nani is better than how he's played. He's much better than that. Right. And in, in a lot of ways, he's a James Jones type. Uh, you know, a bigger body guy, uh, fast. Uh, although. I was, you know, for the longest time I thought he had good hands, and I've watched him play this preseason, and it's it's unbelievable. So anyway, that was a really roundabout way of saying we need more receivers, and uh, I don't. I think uh, I think a, a big thing that I, I look at it as is I think our go-to receiver's best. I think he's going to be our go-to receiver, whether we pick up somebody big or not. I think it's best as the number one receiver on this team, even if he is 
the slot guy, and it just becomes a situation like what New England has, where Wes Welker's a slot receiver, but he's their number one receiver. Well, that embodies what you want in the West Coast offense. He gets open, and he uh, he gets yards after the catch. I mean, yep. there's those two big-time components in there. So, yeah, in a lot of ways, I mean, I have no doubt that Wes is our, is our best receiver right now. And somebody was talking about how, I mean, they're almost making – making uh, a joke about the fact that Bus is our best receiver. And it's like, if you sent that guy to New England, or, I mean, another offense that has a lot of options where best wouldn't be uh, the, uh, the the guy who attracted all the attention in the offense, right. I mean, Murph, you stick him on a team with guys like Brandon Lloyd or Al Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez or whatever, best would absolutely slaughter. I mean, and especially in the red zone, I feel like, which is which is an area I'm hoping that we we exploit more this year. I'd like to see him get more looks there, but I don't know. It's something where a long. It, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day, and it's one thing that people really need to keep in mind. I've been meaning to to write about this is uh, the the difference between this rebuild and all the other rebuilds that you've had rammed down your throat for uh, as long as uh, Marino's been out of the league, twelve years now. Uh, there's a quarterback in place, yeah. a, a rookie quarterback. I mean, that changes everything. Instead of instead of rebuilding around something that is a variable that doesn't have a face, doesn't have anything, it's just a variable, that's almost impossible to do. But when you have Tannehill in there, you know what you want to build around. You have quarterback X, and, I mean, there's no, there's nothing unseen about it. You understand what you're getting. That changes things because then you're building the offense around him. You're tailoring your West Coast offense to also yes. fit his needs, too. And, and that's the other piece that we're, we're missing somewhere with the fan base right now is, yes, we fully acknowledge that this is another rebuilding under Jeff Ireland, but we replaced the coach to a completely different scheme. So there are going to be players that just don't fit the scheme, and that's not Jeff Ireland's fault. Because just last year, he was trying to build a power running game. So he's had one draft right now. Now, do all of his picks always turn out? No. But at the same time, not every GM hits every uh, pick. I mean, you you miss. I mean, otherwise, Ryan Leaf would still be the greatest thing. So, I... I Ryan Leaf was the greatest thing. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, actually, speaking of not, uh, or speaking about Ireland's draft this year, one thing that's really starting to piss me off is how uh, every, everyone seems to think like Martin is is some sort of turnstile or something because he had one rough game against Carolina, which is a pretty good pass rushing team at, at this point. Like I True. like, I'm all about Jonathan Martin. And how that, many people? How many people are going to declare Agnew a bust already? He's a third-round tight end. He's a third-round tight end in his rookie season. He's going to take some time to develop. Give him at least a game before you start declaring him a bust. Yeah. I'm not not really worried about Agnew. I I certainly want to see more from him. But I don't – let's put it this way. I'm not facing anything I see off of hard knocks. Right. I, I don't because I feel like that's all in a vacuum. 
which is why I don't, I mean, we don't know everything about the Vontae Davis trade because, I mean, we only saw Jeff Ireland's side of it. We don't know what Indianapolis was thinking. They right. could have been trying to load all the crap out of them the whole time and thought, fine, we'll give them the two. I mean, we don't really know if they offered the, the six and the seven or whatever kind of ridiculous offer came on the table first, but uh, if it's by way of hard knocks, then take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. It's like when, because, uh, I mean, everyone everyone was really put off when uh, Sherman said that if he was a general manager, he would cut Agnew. I mean, he who knows how many players he says that about during, yeah, exactly. uh, during a meeting. That was one snippet of a, of an hour-long meeting. He could have said that about everyone. He could have said that about Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. He's like, Tannehill, this is why I put you at wide receiver in college, you know, or Matt Moore, you suck. I mean, it could have been a handful of things, and because they're highlighting Agnew, people hear that, and all of a sudden they think that the guy is some kind of uh, joke. So, I mean, you need to see more out of him, but uh, I've never seen I've never seen a player deemed a Hall of Fame talent after one preseason. In the... Uh in the quarterback or quarterback, the wide receiver workouts that we did today, besides Dante Stallworth, we worked out uh, Mike Sims Walker, who was Brandon Marshall's roommate in college and is his best friend. Just side note, Ben Volin tweeted that out, and I just thought it was an interesting side note. Well, we um, wasn't Marshall lobbying for us to sign that guy last year. I think he was when he when uh, Jacksonville gave him the boot. Yeah, I think that's right. Because uh, I know those two play at uh, Central Florida. So, I mean, whatever. I mean, I'm I'm hoping we get someone like James Jones because I really like James Jones. I mean, I live in I live in Chicago, so I'm, I'm surrounded by almost as many Packers fans as I am Bears fans. So I I watch a lot of James Jones up here, and I like him. But as long as people don't expect him to be the alpha dog, if you expect him to come in and be a reliable uh, borderline lethal number three slash number two type receiver, then, yeah, I, I'd say your expectations are in line. But if you think if he's, he's going to come in and all of a sudden Tannehill's going to be able to throw three, four touchdowns a game just by his pre- by James Jones' presence in the offense, then, I mean, you're going to be sorely mistaken. Uh, guys, I just realized that I never gave the phone number tonight, so to break off the wide receiver talk for a second... If you want to give us a call, it's 347-326-9461. Call in. We'll talk about anything you guys want to talk about, and anything that makes it so that I'm not talking as much is probably a good thing. Yeah, are you dying? <laughs> what is wrong with you? I, I might be dying. I don't know. I've had – on Monday, I thought – or sat, Saturday and Sunday last week, I had a sore throat. Um, Monday, I thought it was the flu – or Sunday I spent all day in bed. Monday I thought it was the flu. Tuesday and Wednesday it's turned into chest cold slash head cold, and now today I have this. So You have uh, the Matt Roth illness. Yes, yes. <laughs> so No hope for you, Kevin. You are going to die. <laughs> I'm hoping that it's West Nile virus just so I can say I have it. Right, and then we're going to drop that one off the bucket list. It doesn't get you there. Yeah, you're, you got the matter off disease, so we're going to cut you and pay, still be paying for you two years later. Nice. I like this plan. Yeah. 
<laughs> that guy, in my opinion, is the uh, the poster child for defensive ends who do not want to convert into outside linebackers. Yeah. I, mean, I can think of a handful of, a handful of guys where it's just like no, 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 no. It just I mean, didn't work for him. So, uh, I have a I have a couple of questions regarding uh, receivers, and in particular how we're going to get these guys next year. But first off, uh, w- since we're right on the uh, uh, the precipice of a another NFL season, do we want to make Super Bowl picks? Sure, I can do that. I did just uh, do that with uh, SB Nation. I don't know when they're going to put up the whole post, but I'm still oh. sticking with my same uh, Super Bowl pick from last year. Do you guys remember that? Uh, we I don't. Thought well, I, was, I, don't. I thought I was going to get it, too. I was going Texans all the way last year. I'm sticking bit with them again. No shame. I, I think Merciless is going to come back. I think that he's not starting but I really think he's going to turn it on. He's my defensive rookie of the year. I, I really – I like Merciless. I like Houston. Unfortunately, I have a feeling they're going to lose or we're going to lose them in week one, but I will be sitting in that stadium rooting my off for the Dolphins. And from what, from what I hear, Houston fans aren't particularly aggressive. So We'll see. Uh, yeah. I'll let you know. Yeah. Well, uh, Merciless certainly fits what they want to do. And uh, speaking of the Bears, I have a lot of friends who wanted to draft that guy. And I, I think that he would – I hate the idea of him as a 4-3 as a defensive end, but as a 3-4 guy that can just pin his ears back, I mean, if they, if they can go ahead and – I mean, hey, he struggles in coverage, and I'm not sure how often they're going to use him in those situations because they have quite a few guys who can rush off the edge. I think that other guy's name is Brooks Reed. He's turned into a pretty good one. And um, what does it say? It's that clown who was giving Jake Long a hard problem last year, Connor Barwin. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they have some decent guys who can roast passers. So, yeah, I can see why Merciless isn't going to be starting. But, yeah, I think he he's not my pick for uh, uh, defensive rookie, rookie of the year. year. That's okay. I'm going to stand he's by the not. Texans. Well, I just I hate that team. I don't and I don't really know why. I just really dislike Houston, and I don't and I think that uh, they're gonna suffer a little bit. I, I don't know how much uh, D'Amico Ryan's absence is gonna hurt them, but yeah, I don't know. Andre Johnson is already in a wheelchair. So. Oh. <laughs> how about you guys? What are you guys Super Bowl picks? Do I have to go first? Because um. Honestly, I'm still – I was thinking maybe uh, I really I, – well, obviously, I'd like to think we all hate Pittsburgh. Uh, I was thinking with the Castro in there, those guys, I mean, they really got it done to the point where Roethlisberger wasn't going to have his, his head completely thrashed again this year. Yeah, no, like, he's going to. Oh, man. I was I saw highlights of that last Saturday, and I was like, ooh, God has it out for Ben Roethlisberger. It's going to be another season of pile drivers for him. So, I, I don't know. Speaking of the Steelers, some backup linebackers knee just went three ways, sideways it shouldn't have. Just, uh, they just showed it on TV and kind of turned my stomach a little bit. But. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> wow. Uh, that's in- 
incredibly disgusting. <laughs> I, I think uh, if I have to pick a, an AFC uh, for well, first of all, you didn't pick your NFC Super Bowl team. You just oh, gave it the Texans. Are you telling um, us the Texans are going to win it all? Or are you, I, are I have the Texans winning it all. They're playing themselves in the Super Bowl and they're winning it all. All right, but, and they just decide to hold the Super Bowl in Reliance Stadium. Yes. They just moved it. No, I, I have Houston all the way. I went back and forth on the uh, NFC because there are a lot of good teams in the NFC, but I wanted to be different than most other people in my picks with SB Nation, so I took the Bears. That's a that's a solid pick. It, it is. But... Stop the Cutler to Marshall connection this year is my question. Because it's I I was still in Mexico when they played. I think it was Washington, and Cutler and. Marshall didn't even really look that fluid and they were connecting on that thing. It was almost yeah. uh, it's ridiculous. I don't I I don't know of any NFC North cornerback who's going to stop that. Cause those guys are either undersized or just crap. So I don't I don't see that happening. So I agree. I think Chicago's a really strong pick. Who were most of the SB Nation guys picking? Um either the Packers or the Giants. Uh, I just I have no confidence. I feel like the Giants I mean, only win the Super Bowl. I think. I think across the board it's going to end up being uh, and and I say I say most of them like at the point that I put in my votes it was probably not quite half of the teams had put in their ballots yet. So mm-hmm. I say most with the caveat that most of them hadn't actually put anything in yet. But I think it looks like uh, Rodgers will be MVP, um, and almost everybody took Peyton Manning to be comeback player of the year. But I think uh, there were a couple Adrian Peterson, a couple others, but... For MVP? No, comeback player of the year. Oh, I was just... I I almost had heart failure there. Yeah, no. uh, Rodgers for MVP but Manning for Comeback Player of the Year. And then just just because I had to make a homer pick of something, I picked uh, Cameron Wake to be the defensive MVP. Oh, that was nice of you. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Broncos-Cowboys, too. Honestly, I feel like it's going to be the Staubach-Craig Morton Bowl all over again. So... I think I think the Cowboys are woefully underrated right now, and and I am not a Dallas fan by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, I think getting those cornerbacks in place was uh, was a no brainer for those guys because it's almost like I mean Rob Ryan has been handcuffed there. He hasn't even been been able to unleash his uh like that power pressure scheme off the edge that he loves to run because the cornerbacks have been such crap. But I mean that's all changing now. That that team is a lot stronger in the secondary, and I think that uh, I think offensively they've got it going on too. So it's I think wasn't was our so wasn't our uh, touchdown last night the first touchdown they gave up? The Cowboys. Uh, it might have. That might be right. Been, I don't know. Uh, I haven't watched. I've only seen a little bit of them in the preseason, but I think that I think Romo's. I mean, I don't mean this to be backhanded. I think he's good enough to get to the Super Bowl. Right. I don't I don't and think he's I don't think he's an elite quarterback and I know that that discussion will be batted around about a million times this season like it is every year, but 
I think he's good. Hey. He's good at the Super Bowl. I think uh, I think Miles. I think his receiver core is somehow underrated because I think Miles Austin is still really good. Says Bryant and his uh, his entourage, which uh, I, I can't wait to make jokes about that when he's standing out there and he has armed <laughs> guards around him. <laughs> and then uh, I think um, what's that dude's name? Ogletree. He's really yeah. good too. I think he is. So, um, we got a caller. We got a caller, so I'm going to go ahead and bring in Jason Scott. Before you tell us hey, anything else, Jason Scott, let's uh, go ahead and uh, give us your Super Bowl picks. Super Bowl picks. I'm going to go with Houston. Yes. And NFC. Wow. I don't think Green Bay is going to be as good as they have been, just because I, I really, really am hopeful. And maybe it's me being a homer that Philbin was a, a big part of the reason they were there. They were where they were. Um, yeah, I'm being a huge homer, I know. But um, i probably say, gosh, Cowboys look good. But um, oh, I'm drawing a blank now. Not to, not to put you on the spot uh, or anything. Actually, yeah, no, I will say I will say probably the uh, the Bears, and that's contingent on um, Brandon Marshall not dropping as many passes as he he did for us. Which Jason is officially the best uh, member of the Finsider out there. Period. I'm just saying. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Not not that he's sucked up to me by taking the exact same picks I had or anything. No, no, I <laughs> I, I really, you know. It's hard to find a weakness on the on the Texans. I mean, they're solid everywhere, and they're so solid. The only thing, I mean, the only thing they have to worry about is injuries. Yeah, and and last year killed them, but they're going to dominate Indy. Um, that that whole conference, I think they're going to they're going to destroy that conference, yeah. and it's just a cakewalk after that. I think as long as they can stay healthy. Um. Yeah, once they get in the playoffs, they're going to have the running backs, um, their offensive line, their defense. I just think there's just too much, too much there. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at there. Okay, so now to why you called in? What's up? Oh well, I guess I will. I'll talk on uh, the Vontae Davis thing. I was, I was commenting in a thread, and I've heard all this talk about, oh, Ireland, he, he lost value on Bronte, and, and you know, he got him with a first, and now he's trading him away for a second. Well, here's my thinking. Bronte, when we picked him, we picked him with the 25th pick. The guy, if he had matured, and that was the one issue that was holding him back, he's a top five player. Top five player. So we gambled on a guy that, that has, and honestly, he still has so much talent. If he just grew up a little bit, he'd be a top five player. He'd be one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And I, I honestly believe that there's nobody that tackles like him as a cornerback. Um, he has the ability to cover as well as anyone, and he just has that little maturity issue, you know, and I think that's that's what's killing him. He's inconsistent like like. Ireland said, you know, and I guess I, I think that he was hoping to hit a home run there. And really, we need to hit home runs with our picks yeah. at this point because we're not going to catch up with New England if we're not hitting home runs. We're, we're not going to get safe picks and then um, just 
be in the Super Bowl next year. So I think he was trying to hit a home run. We got a pick. We got an extremely talented guy with a 25th pick. He didn't work out. And then we get a second-round pick back for him. And granted, it's probably going to be a top-40 pick. So, you know, I think we did a great job unloading him once we had three years and, and just realized, you know what, some people just don't get it ever. There's a lot of talented people in the NFL. It was, it was a case of the the team realizing, you know what, it's not working. And yeah. they got something for it. Rather than sit around and hold on to him just because, oh, he was a first-round pick, we have to hold on to him. They got what they could for him, and they've moved on now. So And honestly, yeah, honestly, I think they really, really duped Ursay. I mean, you know, <laughs> I love the fact that we, we – we got a second round out of them, and it's probably going to be a top 40 pick because they're not going to be that good this year. Andrew Luck is still a rookie. I see them having a rookie year with him. The rest of their team is really bad. And, you know, I think it's going to take them a while to get back. Yeah. I feel like but you might I, have I, a higher pick than those guys. That's you know, and I, I likened it to, like, if we bought a scratch-off ticket for a dollar – Scratched it off, realized that we lost, and then sold it to Ursay for eighty cents. You know, there's a ton of talented players, and you need more than just raw talent. There's a lot of talented players, but but if you don't just if you just have talent, you're not going to get anywhere. And it takes talent, it takes luck, it takes drive, determination, all of that together, work ethic, and you right. just didn't have it all. I well, just think Bobby Davis is crazy. Right, he's like, uh, he's, he, he, he's worse than Ricky Henderson at this point. He, he might I mean, be. He's, he's just on the spaceship. I mean, I, they, I thought that that one guy summed up really well, and he said just a total lack of self-awareness. That is absolutely his problem. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I think Jason Allen was kind of the same way. Extremely talented, but he just didn't have it, he just didn't have it between the ears. You know, and was inconsistent with his play. He'd make a great play here, and then, are you covering anyone? <laughs> yeah. So, I hate well, that uh, during that draft, it was I wanted either Davis or or Sean Smith, and I didn't find out about Sean Smith until about a about a month before the draft. And I thought, well, if they take Hakeem Nix, then they can get uh, Sean Smith in the second round. And then I was like, yeah, but I kind of like Devontae Davis, and I like Clay Matthews as well. And, of course, of those three guys, they take the one who, who turns into Babytown Frolics and is just a complete moron. So, great yeah. player. Well, Unbelievable talent. Like, I mean, Devontae Davis, in terms of athletic talent, is almost unparalleled when it comes to the yeah, corner there's position. There's no one like him. He's a freak, just like his brother. Yep. But, but I mean, Jason, I want to say thank you for calling in. I'm getting a board backed up. So. Okay. Thank you for calling. You have All a good right, night. Thanks. Have a good weekend. All right. Bye. See ya. I want to go ahead and uh, bring in another uh, a, a, another member of the site who uh, has a announcement that I'll go ahead and let him make. So, E-Dove, how are you tonight? All right. How are you doing, sir? Doing well. Doing well. Why don't you tell us what happened today? Uh, Well, uh, I've been uh, going on the uh, – ESPN 
New York uh, in Albany with uh, Bruce Jacobs for you know a little over a week now, and his producer and you know himself they called me out the blue today and was like you know kind of like the the whole back and forth y'all do because I mean I hate to say it I mean he's a Jets fan but you know take what you can get and uh, it's like we want to offer you a job and you know be our Dolphins insider because I get the one one they had and they really did. I mean, they just like the the back and forth we had a little bit more than anybody else we had. And then, you know, I guess the way my accent is, you know, like cracking jokes. And it's just, it's a pretty, you know, nice uh, gesture from them, and I appreciate it. You know, and they don't mind me announcing the Ben Sider on there. So, you know, kind of a couple things they get away with. But that's awesome. So you'll be working up in uh, with ESPN New York, up yeah, in, in Albany. In Al- up in Albany, that is pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, yeah, yeah. congratulations on that. Yeah, and thank you. I, I just that's why I called in. I just want to say thank you for y'all uh, telling me. You know, congratulations on Facebook. And I was probably you know. Well, you know, you you know, lean on y'all a little bit with some of the stuff. No, nope. anytime. Give y'all credit for it if you don't mind. Anytime. That's why we're here. Get news out to Dolphins fans. That's what the goal is, right? Like uh, <laughs> the guy that posted that whole theory about you know, thirteenth year Marino wore thirteen, and then seventeenth quarterback and Tannehill wore seventeen. You know, I, I gave him credit. I used that on there. You know, I said, well. Just yep. like I read on the thin side, you know, and then I was actually on the laptop at the time, so I, you know, I used the dude's screen name, and I told him. I mean, they honestly really don't care. They just, I, I guess, I don't know what it is, but the, the you know, the producer just kind of like, like I said, the back and forth, and they just let go of their other tosses guy and asked me if I wanted to chat. I was like, okay. Sorry about that. Went into a coughing fit there for a second. Um, okay, so since you're on the show and it seems to be what we're part of what we're talking about, let's uh, go ahead and ask you what's your Super Bowl pick. Oh God, uh, man, I ain't gonna lie. I haven't really even thought about it. I, I mean, uh, maybe I, I just have to say Green Bay or something like that. I don't want to say Pat. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I mean, uh, I really don't see. Uh, maybe I, I don't know. I would pick maybe New Orleans, but that whole, you know, head you know, bounty thing, head hunter, whatever you want to call it, maybe right. the coach. You know, I mean, but I, this year, if we're not making it, I'm picking the NFC team. I, I really haven't even thought about it yet. <laughs> no, uh, I guess that's. I hope I uh, a whole bunch of unprofessional people on the radio. I mean, you know, the ones that criticize me the most are the ones in Miami. They're like, why do you got the tattoo on? I'm like, what? I mean, they're Dolphins fans. And the ones that like it are Jets fans, which doesn't make no sense to me. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's what we're good at. We, we, we like to uh, pick things out and criticize on them. Once they, you know, I'm from Virginia, you know, until the internet, you know, I never really 
you know, I just picked up what I could from the news and stuff like that, ESPN, but as a thousand fans, I've always been like it. I mean, you know, it's an honest question. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. I keep uh, deciding to cough way at the oh. wrong time. <laughs> but, no, it... Did you hear my question? I, I, I heard parts of it as I coughed myself out, so go ahead and ask again. Oh. Um, Like I said, uh, before, you know, the whole Internet thing really, you know, started booming, I, I first Dawson site I ever went to was the Finn site. I joined it guys within uh, two weeks after Maddie created it. And, uh, and you know, that's pretty much the only place on the internet I've ever been. But before that, you know, I live in Virginia, so there was never much Dolphins news. I just kept up with the newspaper, ESPN, or the games I could watch. But, I mean, have the Dolphins fans always been that bad? Just wanting to get rid of everybody and talk down on the fans and stuff like that? No, it's it's the frustration of the fan base right now. It's I I'm so frustrated that I'm going to take it out on this guy and if you don't agree with me, you must be a bad fan. And it it it's it, it's why everything is focused at Jeff Ireland because he's the last man standing of the last regime. So everybody's focused on him because of the frustration over the past three years. Um, and then we I, – I don't know why we have gone into this turn on our own fan base. And because, it, you it, know, I remember during the 1-15 and 15 season, you know, everybody was having – I mean, you know, even though it sucked, we still had ways making – you know, having a good time on the site. Right. And I, I don't know. I, I really don't have an answer. Keith, Chris, you guys got ideas? No, not really. It's yeah. Fucking time. Uh, <laughs> well, people are tired of rebuilding. I'm tired of it, too. But like I said, I take this one with a grain of salt because we, we at least we have a quarterback in place now. Like the Before, they always talked about, well, the future is going to be this and this and that. And, I mean, it just seemed like a platitude to say that kind of thing, but no, I mean, it's different. I can I can accept this. I don't like it, but I can tolerate it. Well, I mean, you know, I can too, and, you know, a lot of them are Fairweather fans, so I don't see how many young Fairweather fans which have really picked up lately because we really haven't won nothing. I mean, yeah. you know, I know a bunch of people come along when we got Pat White just because, you know, it's Pat White supporters. I guess you get people that support a lot of people come on, but I mean, you know, I guess that's just the, the problem of, you know, getting bigger as a site, I reckon. But to be it, honest, I, I just want to is. call and say, you know, thank you for the comments, and I don't want to hold y'all up. I know y'all used to get the board about a full, so. But, awesome. Well, congratulations again. Thank you for calling in. You have a good night. Um, yeah, y'all have a blessed night, too. That's E-Dove, our new uh, ESPN New York up in Albany, New York, uh, Dolphin Insider. That's pretty cool. It's always good when uh, we can get a story where somebody's branched out a little bit. But, well, 
we have a Dolphin Fan for Life who apparently has a question for us. So, Dolphin Fan for Life, how are you tonight? I'm doing all right. Good. What's your question? All right. Um, well, it's really a hypothetical. Um, say, for instance, either the Steelers or the Chiefs call. They offer either Santonio San Holmes. I mean, not Santonio San Holmes, but I always get him confused <laughs> with the other guy. Wallace. Um, I can't really think. Yeah, Wallace. Uh, a first and a third. For Jake Long, do you take that deal? No. No. No? No. I can't do it. Same situation, Dwayne Bow. No. No. A first, a third, and another player. Long is... Long's too valuable. I can get... I mean, we could theoretically pull out three or four first-round picks for long. Now, it's a lot, and I don't think any team's actually going to pay it, but that that's about his value. And I don't, I don't see... I know the Dolphins need the wide receiver. They've got to get a wide receiver, but is it worth getting a wide receiver at this point and losing any protection you have on the backside of Tannehill and just letting him get crushed every single play, meaning he can't get the ball out to the wide receiver. I just I, – I don't see it. Jay – or uh, Chris, mm-hmm. no. you weren't you were answering the reason, quickly. The reason I would say no to that is this. Wallace and Bo are good players, but you – I think you can. We can keep long, re-sign long, and find a receiver in the draft early in the draft next year. That will be just as good as those guys. I don't see them being so so great that it's worth giving up. Now, if the Detroit Lions called and that was Calvin Johnson, absolutely, because he is a transcendent talent at that position. He is a guy that. You can put five players on, and he's still going to catch the ball. Dwayne Bowe, he's had one season where he's caught more than ten touchdown passes. Uh, Wallace, to me, is a, he's not a true number one type guy. He's a guy that runs a lot of speed routes, gets open like that, but he's not a guy that's going to catch every every run every route in the route tree. So, if you're going to give up a franchise caliber left tackle, a franchise player, a team leader on your team, you need to get something of equal value. And in my opinion, if you're going for a receiver, then there are two guys in the league that you would go for, and that's Fitzgerald and Calvin Johnson. No other wide receiver, I don't care how many picks they throw in, no other wide receiver is worth that. I would uh, I, I would Not add even Andre? I would add Andre Johnson. Well, but, and the only reason I don't <laughs> add him necessarily is just because well, yeah, you can throw him in there. I don't know how old he is. Was he 29? Um, I think uh, I think, I think about Andre, he's a great wide receiver, but at the same time, he's – I don't know. I mean, he's still good, but I don't think that – I think he's – I don't want to say he's dropping off, but he's got injured again this preseason. He, he was injured last season. I'm just starting to wonder if, if you know – it's taking a toll on his body. If he would be 
if he's going to hold up to make that trade worth it. Now, you could say the same thing about Long, I guess, too, but, um, you know, to me, if you're going to go for a guy, if you're going to trade Long, the only wide receivers I would even think of in that deal would be Larry Fitzgerald and Calvin Johnson, to me. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm going to play devil's advocate here, though. And I like Long as, as much as anyone on the site. I'm Obviously, I have an avatar of him. But suppose someone gives gives us the offer of, like, two ones and two twos. They say outright for Jake Long. Now, we have a one this year, we have two twos, and we have two threes. Okay. Isn't that, I mean, pretty much akin to the Herschel Walker deal that Dallas yeah. used to, to build into what turned into a, a superpower at that point? I mean, that's, that's heavy artillery. Yeah, and I mean, if we're if we're looking to really get into the Green Bay way of doing things, which is the the league norm now, of this whole shoot 'em out or, or shoot it out offense and everything, I love Jake Long, but you know, I think about it. Yeah, come I, along. I can, I can, I could go for something like that too. I mean, dude, two, if two if you one. can if you can look at it and say next year we would have two ones three twos and three threes or two threes or something like that, I mean, that's incredible. We'd be restocked right then. Well, not only that, but one thing that I don't think a lot of people realize is this upcoming draft is absolutely tailor-made for us. It has the kind of receivers we want. It's very it's considerably deep at safety consider, considering how poor the last few drafts have been in terms of the safety position. This one's going to be pretty good. Uh, the the pass rusher uh, position in this draft is absurd, especially if you're looking for the hybrid type guys, which I believe we right. are. So, and uh, corner corner is really deep in this draft too, and there's probably going to end up being three or four elite caliber guys in the first round this year, in my opinion. So it's where we want to go with this team. Those guys are going to be available now. The, the thing that always comes up, are you going to trade a proven talent like Long to get that kind of firepower when when you're really dealing with variables? You don't know if that college player is going to turn into the NFL talent you want. I don't know. But if I'm looking to pull off that, that Cowboys rebuild, or I think they went, what, 1-15 in 1989? Uh, and that was with Aikman. I think Aikman, got, Aikman lost like 11 games that year. I mean, he was just totaled. Right. I mean, he was beaten on it. I mean, Tannehill's probably going to get the same. So I don't know. I think not to mention, like but isn't not to mention, but isn't there like three or four tackles in the draft worthy of the first round? Anyways, mm, yeah, I think uh, the one guy in I was bitching about Scouts Incorporated the other day, uh, <laughs> just for a lot of the guys they missed out on. One, I think the number one tackle will end up being. Uh, uh, Taylor Lewin from Michigan. He's not even on their list, but he's pretty much the heir apparent to Jake Long, so he'll he'll be there. But I don't know. See, those aren't zone block scheme type guys. I mean that that's a um pretty much a proto Mahler at the left tackle position, which is funny because usually those guys go to the right. But I mean, those, I mean those are Maulers. But there's a couple of guys. I think that uh, the the kid from Virginia. I think his last name's Abushi. I mean, he's a, he's around Jonathan Martin's size, 
Um, apparently, uh, there's a, a guard in this draft who's even better than DeCastro last year. Hopefully, he's um, less injury prone too. But I mean, if it's something where I'm not even thinking about offensive line in the in the first round this year. And I mean, in a hypothetical world where some proven team that really wants to get that uh, that blindside protector for their star quarterback gives us that Godfather type deal, and we take it, and we walk into 2013 with two ones, two twos, and two threes, and and, and well, I guess an extra two as well. Um, you suddenly you can you can get the best available guy, and we're probably going to be picking high. So, I mean, you could get Amerson. You get the best corner uh, on the board immediately. And, I mean, he's 6'3", so suddenly you have a very tall, very able corner tandem in series. Because the only, then, I mean, the only reason I'm, why I even thought of this is because, I mean, say Jake Long retires the Dolphins. By the time he retires, he'll be making upward to about $20 million a year. Yeah, um, well, want Joe Thomas money. I mean, that's a really good point. I we, that's why when Joe Thomas got that deal from Cleveland, uh, I think it was last August. I just I just shuddered because I was like, crap, Jake Long's gonna want that money when when and I I want to say that I I don't remember someone's gonna have to look, but I think Joe Thomas is getting somewhere in the vicinity of seventy some mil. And that's just the guaranteed. His contract was like 125 million. Um, it's, 75 it's, guaranteed. It's a big time contract. Well, I mean, Long was. I mean, Long got big money coming out of college. I mean, he's. I mean, let's face it. Even though he's been great, he's one of the reasons they put that in the CBA. Thomas signed an eight-year contract worth 92 million with a signing bonus of six million, giving him an average salary of 11.5. Uh, his highest cap number is this year at 12.96. I'm sorry, it was last year with 15.26. And then he goes down to 12.96, down to 11.4, back up to 12.3, and then he's down to right around $10 million for the last four years. Now, I love Jake Long, but I really don't want to pay that kind of money. I don't want, I don't want to be a, a, a cheap ass about it, but, dude, that's that could be death to a, an up-and-coming franchise to handcuff yourself like that. And if he wants that kind of money, I mean, I hate to say it, but we're going to have to acknowledge the fact that instead of having a, an offensive line where our best tackle is Jake Long, we're going to have an offensive line where our best tackle is Jonathan Martin and whoever else we, we bring in. It's not it's not sexy. It's certainly not the way I'd have it. But that's kind of how Green Bay Green Bay's done it. I mean, Chad Clifton's old. And I know that's part of the reason they gave that guy the boot. But I mean, they have—I mean, they have kids they drafted late in the first round, like Sherrod. I mean, who, who have been waiting in the wings to to take those spots. And Bulaga is, is actually near this near uh, where I live, so uh, I was aware of that guy. But yeah, I mean, late first, mid to late first round picks like Bulaga, Sherrod, guys who weren't the number one tackles on the board but fit what they want to do and cost a hell of a lot less than than guys who go in the top three. And, and, and believe me, it kills me to talk like this because I love Jake Long. And I wanted to draft him. I still, I mean, I don't have any problem that we took Jake Long over Matt Ryan. I have Ryan Tannehill now. I feel better about it. But, dude, if you want, when he, I mean, you heard it, $92 million. 
I mean, that's that's major major coin for a left hand. Yeah. You also that. have Here's you the... also have the bonus now. I'm sorry, Chris. You also have the bonus now of if even if we traded him away and then turned around and drafted a tackle, the rookie wage scales in existence now. Mm-hmm. So the even if we were the number one overall pick taking a stud left tackle again, the salaries would be nowhere near comparable just because the wage scale exists now. So, okay, Chris, go on. Well, there's another thing to think about, too, is, uh, is number one, Joe Long got an eight-year deal. There's no way that Jake Long's getting an eight-year deal. Sure. That's not Jeff Ireland's way. And unless Jeff Ireland gets fired this year, he's going to be the one re-signing Long. And here's the other thing. Jake Long will be 28 years old next year. I know that doesn't sound very old, but you think – all right, you sign him to a, a deal that's equivalent to about twelve to thirteen million a year. Even then, he's probably only going to get a four-year deal. Now it's going to be a short term, but they'll probably pay him a little more up front, or pay him a little more per year to make it a bigger per year contract than Joe Long, because that's kind of how things go. But you think about it, even then, if you find somebody in the draft, you can still get a couple of years out of him. Yeah, it'll be expensive years. Then you can get rid of him. You have to take the cash hit and all that, but. You know, he's not, you know, we keep thinking he's this guy for the next decade. Well, he's already played, well, this is his fifth season. So you're probably only going to get another five great years out of him before he, you know, becomes a 32, 33-year-old guy, and he's already got a bunch of injuries. So, you know, how much more are you going to expect out of him? So I think what you could do is you could honestly just say, I'm going to take the guy, I'm going to resign him, I'm going to resign him now, at the end of the year, I'm going to give him, you know, a contract worthy of of his play. And, and then, you know, just let him play that out. And if it gets too expensive, deal with it in a couple of years. But, you know, I, I don't I, – I think the money uh, the money part of it is a little bit overblown because I don't think he's going to be – you know, he's not going to get a long-term deal just because of his age and just because of, of, of Jeff Ireland's way of doing things. So I think, you know, we're only on the hook for another four years at most. So I think – I don't. I, I think the risk would be worth it there. You're assuming he's going to go along with that, though. That's the see. That's the the thing that scares me, and that's where we're going to walk on the fine line of either re, trying to lowball him on the year part of his deal when he, he, it's clear that he. I mean, he's the best tackle in the National Football League, and he's going to want to be paid like it. And yeah, he's going to be because he's a year younger than me, so he's going to be 28 years old. He's not gonna. He's walking into it thinking that he's gonna play another six, seven years. He's gonna want that big time deal. And I mean, you think that? I mean, look at guys like like a Cliff Averill, guys who were were balking at money. That was. I mean, let's not let's be honest. The money was in the ballpark of what they should be paid. And I think that Jake Long is gonna want a gargantuan deal. I mean, I don't think this is gonna be something where he's gonna come in and be like, yeah, I'm gonna give you guys the hometown discount. I'm not expecting that actually. I think that I'm, I'm actually worried that this is going to get messier than people think if we're not careful with it, honestly. It's something where, I mean, that's why I do th- I think about if somebody comes up and gives us the, the two ones and two twos, yes, I will think about it. Because I'm, I'm I think it goes back to the same, the same thing we saw with the Vontae Davis trade and uh, the Bill Parcells mentality that Ireland – has done a very good job of breaking away from a lot of what Parcells did and getting out from under the shadow of Parcells and actually 
working towards what does the coach want versus I know what's right and the coach can just deal with the talent. But um, the one thing that I think he still holds on to is every player on the roster is on the trading block. And if the right price comes along, you have to take it. So I, I it could very easily be that. By the way, just because I looked it up, um, Calvin Johnson is 26 years old. Larry Fitzgerald is 28, and Andre Johnson is 31. So on that note, I'd probably go back on the take Andre Johnson in that trade. I'd probably just go Calvin Johnson and uh, Larry Fitzgerald. I just Larry Fitzgerald seems like he's been in the league for a decade now. Yeah, and about the, the Jake Long thing, I I don't think this would be necessarily the year to trade him unless somebody just, you know, had an over-the-top yeah. deal that, like I said about the Vontae, is, you know, you have to blow me away with this. I think you could still re-sign him, get a deal, and then if – I guess my point would be what we were talking about, I guess, going into uh, the 2011 draft, you know, people talking about, well, let's trade up and get RG3 or, you know, whatever – and trade long to do it, or trade long to get Andrew Luck. And I think Keith, you and I had discussed it. You know, I I don't want to really get rid of him without a contingency plan in place. Because right now, if you do that, Ryan Tannehill is going to get the David Carr syndrome. I mean, we don't have yep. a quality caliber left tackle on the roster that I would say, yeah, I feel comfortable with him right now. If we go into next year, let's say we franchise long, um, we go into the, the draft or we did pick up some extra picks or something, I'd rather trade him then, I guess is what I'm trying to say, I'd rather trade him then, where I know I can have draft a guy and have a contingency plan, and trade him right now and try to throw John Jerry out there again. I disagree. I think we have the contingency plan in place right now. I mean, we drafted a left tackle to play right tackle. You wait too long and wait for him to get his footwork changed over to the right side. And all of a sudden, you've got a, you know, a year or two from now. When, I mean, next year, I'm looking at Jake Long to make about, well, about what he is. Be, uh, he should be about in the franchise. twelve, twelve and a half million range if these franchise. Now, there's also ways around that that they can do roster bonuses and stuff like that that works the salary up, but doesn't hurt the salary cap. And there's ways that um, Don Aponte can work all the fun-filled wording of the contract that he gets his money, but either part of it isn't guaranteed or part of it becomes guaranteed on this date and all that kind of stuff. So there are ways to get him a big salary while at the same time not handcuffing the Dolphins for years to come. But yeah, I would it, actually. Um, I'm kind of in the middle between you two. I agree with a lot that Duke is saying. Uh, my, here's one question I have: uh, Do you think we drafted Jonathan Martin to eventually be a left tackle, or do you think we got him purely with the intent to stick him on the right side? I think it was right side, uh, simply because what what makes me think that he is a Dolph or not a Dolphins, but an NFL right tackle is the fact that nobody was clamoring for him as a left tackle early in the draft. 
if they thought he could have been the stud left tackle, there would have been teams up there trying to take him. And the fact that he sat there and waited so long, it makes me think that there's something about him, and whether it's the fact that he's the leaner um, zone-blocking scheme type, I don't know, but something about him made teams not think of him as the stud left tackle. Everybody was clamoring that Jake Long was a right tackle to begin with. I mean, That's true, too. It, it all it all depends on how you look at it, and I mean you've got this guy who fits the mold of what we're trying to do with the zone blocking scheme and everything else. And to be honest with you, I mean Jake Long's great. I love him, but he's more of that power left tackle. I mean he he would transfer well into the zone blocking scheme, I guess, because he's just that versatile. But I mean you're going to deal with this little hampering, that little hampering. And, I mean, look, even now he he he, he was out last game with an injury. You know, I mean, how many of these little tweaks are we going to, you know, we're, we're about to try and pay this guy upwards to about $13 million. And, you know, every year it's been a little this, a little that, a little this. Last year it was two games. This year he's out of preseason game, which doesn't really count for much. But, I mean, teams are going to start looking at that, and all of a sudden your two ones and two twos is automatically going to start turning to one one, one two. Um, yeah, I mean, know, as soon as he becomes healthy and plays one game dominating against freaking Jared Allen or something, Everybody's going to go, yep, okay, he's back. Say again? Uh, that was That's probably my favorite Jake Long moment, actually. It was uh, <laughs> that second game in 2010, and Dan Bierdorf was just beside himself at how badly <laughs> Jared Allen. Or he was like, Jared Allen is getting thrown around like a child by Jake Long. Yep. Remember one play, like, uh, Jake Long stood him up in the last room and had him practically off the ground. And then, like, when the play was over, just, like, threw him away like garbage. I was like, ah, oh, Jake Long, I love you. <laughs> Plus, I mean, all these, all these teams that had a zone blocking scheme in place already pretty much had their left tackle in place. I mean, you look at um, over there in New England, Green Bay. I mean, they already had their tackle set. So, I mean, that could be another reason why Jonathan Martin dropped. You know, I mean... He is a leaner guy. Nobody's going to want to draft him to become a power left tackle when, you know, he he's simply, I mean, he's a heavy set tight end. You know, he moves and he blocks. Put about maybe 35 pounds on Fasano, and that's pretty much what you're going to get with Jonathan Martin right now. You know, I just I, – I I think that it just – at the point where – we're at the point right now where we need to actually decide where Jake Long fits and, you know, how much is he worth and does the risk outweigh the reward. You know, I, I mean, I love the guy, but uh, that – Fifteen million can go towards a new left tackle 
and two other players, or it can go towards our star wide receiver and a left tackle next year. But you know, the, thing, I mean, the other thing on the on the uh, um, salary thing is you have to think about the fact that yeah, fifteen million or whatever it would be per year for um, Jake Long, which I don't think it'll actually be fifteen million, but whatever it would be in. 2009-10 money, that's how much we would be paying Ryan Tannehill right now. So we're actually already saving money because our franchise quarterback is making nearly nothing compared to what most franchise quarterbacks make. Now, in four years, yeah, we're going to have to pay him if he actually is playing to that level. But at least right now, we're saving money at the franchise quarterback piece. And I just thought of that sitting here, so just and not. I want to I want to add in about the uh, Jonathan Martin thing. I mean, he could eventually maybe become our our new left tackle, but if that is your plan going in, you do that when you draft him. Yeah. You know, you don't do that a week before the season starts. And I mean, if you're going to trade that long at this point in the season, and I don't think it happens now. But, you know, it, to me, if you're going to give away a guy like that on the eve of your season, you it's going to, to me, it would take more than two ones and two twos because you're really, you're really messing with your team when you do that. And that's why I don't think Martin right now is, is the contingency plan. He could play left tackle. But if you're thinking, yeah, this guy's going to be my future left tackle, then you go ahead and do something with it. You trade Jake Long for somebody, you know, before before this point. Not really, because he's still he's still got to prove that he can stay healthy. The last two games of the season, he was out, and then all of a sudden, you've got you know it could be a move where, you know, hey, you know, um, we we're trying to get the most for our guy, and you know he's already going to be making what eleven million this year. I think that's um, right. He's going to be making eleven million this year, and that is a lot of money. Say, for instance, a team like Denver who wants to protect Peyton Manning comes along. Well, middle of the season comes around, and you know they need a left tackle. Um, you know, Jonathan Martin played left tackle in a scheme like Philbin's trying to implement. And, you know, I don't really think there was a contingency plan put in place for any player that we drafted. It was just, okay, this guy was a first-round talent. We can get him in the second round. Let's pick him up. You know, same with our fourth-round pick, you know, Lamar Miller. Okay, this guy was a first-round, you know, talent. We can get him with a fourth-round pick. Let's move up, go get him. It was about finding value. Not to mention, I mean, hell, Bush – is up for a contract. Long is up for a contract. That is roughly 18 million of the cap, maybe 19 right there if we resign them both. You know, then you got to think um Starks is up for a contract. He's already making pretty good money as a as our other defensive tackle. I mean, that 63 million looks like a lot. But, I mean, how much of that is tied up? You know, Sean Smith, he's proving a little bit of something out there. 
you know, I mean, just to hype my Madden game, he had two interceptions in the playoffs against the Denver Broncos. But, you know, <laughs> he, he's actually proving something right there. You know, he he's, you know, that's why we were willing to trade Vontae, because we have Richard Marshall and Sean Smith, who was actually trying as opposed to not. You know, I just think, I mean, to be honest, I don't think Ireland liked being so handcuffed. And people don't realize, oh, well, we could have gotten this player, that player. No, we couldn't. We went into the season with $15 million. We had to fill numerous holes, players leaving. And then we had to think about next year, which is why we signed Richard Marshall, you know, for longer than – two, three, you know, two, three seasons, you know, I mean, I don't really think people understood how we didn't have that much to work with to improve our team. You know, oh, we we can trade for Mike Wallace. No, he can't because he wants $10 million this season. This season, we have $3 million in cap space right now. How are we going to do that? The only way I see it is by trading somebody who's making equal value. And, I mean, that's either Dansby or Long. And we're not going to get Wallace for Dansby. It's a topic we're not going to – We're going to sit and beat around the bush on it for not to – not to uh, have a pun there, but we're, we're, we we can talk about it forever. And the only way it's going to be solved is either the team says, okay, see ya after this year, or we sign them to a contract. But yeah. I, I just it, – it, there, there are a lot of possibilities, and a trade is possible. I don't think it will happen because I don't see the team being ready to move on from Jake Long. But it is possible. Dolphin fan for life, thank you for calling in. You're welcome. You uh you have a good night. You you too. Um couple things I I was thinking during all that. Um first off is uh just saw on um let's see PFT on Pro Football Talk that apparently Jerome Messam who was cut and you saw it on Hard Knocks, he's back up in Canada now. He'll be back with the Edmonton Oilers or Edmonton Eskimos this year. He's playing for the Edmonton Oilers. He has some other skills, but he'll be back with the Edmonton Eskimos this year where he was a thousand yard rusher last year. So good for him. At least he, uh, has another job, but, um, the other thing is, okay, I'm, I'm half watching while it's on in the background. This, uh, South Carolina versus um, Vanderbilt game. Oh, crap. I forgot that's on. Is Rogers Rogers' brother? Is who who? Jordan Rogers, the <laughs> Vanderbilt quarterback. Is he yes. Aaron Rogers' brother? Yes. Jordan Rogers okay. is Aaron Rogers' brother. Okay. I didn't know that, but just his name is Rogers, and when he runs around or he throws the ball, he looks like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> just, I'm sitting here like, he has the same throwing motion. He, he it looks like Aaron Rodgers running around. But okay, yeah. that was my two thoughts while we we're on everything else. <laughs> um, 
getting big. One last thing on the Martin yeah. deal. I thought we drafted him. You're going to write tackle, but I got to say, after I should say, after seeing Philbin's demeanor and how he handles business, I think that guy's got way more of an agenda than any of us think can comprehend at this point. And I'm not so sure that Jonathan Martin isn't the contingency plan. Sorry. That does sound like the idea. He could be, and I think think there's a a possibility there. I think that it's very possible that Philbin came in expecting uh, Martin to take over for Long when Long didn't fit the scheme. And I think Philbin was semi-surprised by the fact that Long does fit this scheme. Now, could there be somebody better than Long at his own blocking scheme? There very much so could be. And we'll see throughout the year how Long actually does, if he can get healthy now. But I I think that – I mean, I I wouldn't put it past him. I 100% agree that there's more to Philbin than we've seen. And he has a bigger plan than we've seen so far. Um, I think that's part of why Ireland does what he does, is that there is a plan in place. We just don't know what it is. Um, I I also think that Ireland is perfectly okay with being the bad guy. I think he's perfectly okay with being the target for all the criticism – and he doesn't let it bother him, and he keeps moving on with what he does. And whether it's right or wrong, I'm not trying to say that he's great and the criticism's wrong or that he's horrible and he should be fired. I just think that he understands his role. He understands that he's the target. And you know what? If the criticism is all on him, it lets Philbin be free to do what he wants to do with the team. And I, it, it's not a bad thing. All right, so suppose we win, what, three, four games, maybe five. That's what I mean, I, not to be a pessimist, I'm still going to watch every game, but I'm not expecting to see many wins this year. So suppose we win five games. Does that guy have a job after this year? I think so. You think so? I, 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 think, like, I, I don't know. I think, he, I think he's safe this year because this is the first year trying to build – Philbin's image. So, we win. We we win. However many we win this year, Ireland's back because Tannehill is learning, and there are enough reasons for why we are not winning to make him make him safe. Now, if next year comes around and the talent's still not there, or and we're going through this wide receiver crap again, or we're trying to figure out what to do to replace Vontae Davis still, then, yeah, he, he's seriously in trouble. But I think the fact that every time you change quarterbacks, you see a um, a gutting of the rosters in order to make the new roster what the new coach wants it to be. And it's a two-year process. But we have a lot of the parts. It's just a matter of getting the – the skill players in place. We have the foundation. We need the skill players. Philbin, or uh, correction, Ireland has to find a way to fill that in. But we'll see. I mean, I got a tough one. If 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 Ireland is fired, I'm never going to complain about it. 
Um, that's been my stance this whole time is I'm not against Ireland, but I'm not for Ireland. If Stephen Ross says, you know what, it's just not working, we're going to go a different direction at GM, I'm okay with that. Let it go. Go on. Um, my uh, my question, this is a little bit loaded. I'm, I don't know how it's putting it on the spot, but it is what it is. Uh, I've been incredibly impressed by Tannehill. I know you have too. I think a lot of people on the site have been pretty much blown away by blown away by how that guy handles himself on the field. I think that he's a already a, a consummate pro. Uh, he, he's smart. It, I mean, his arm strength is fantastic. He's accurate. Uh, do you stand by the decision to draft that guy and not move up for Robert Griffin? Uh, Sorry. Yeah. I I stand by the decision to not move up. Yes. Um, if you were asking me if we were in that position already, absolutely I would take Robert Griffin. I like uh, Tannehill. I really think that he's going to be the guy that solidifies the position for years now. Um, I, I think he was the right pick for us. But if we were given the choice between the two, in a heartbeat you take RG3. I mean, I, that. Yeah, but I I would not have paid the ransom that the Redskins have paid. No well, way. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make a lot of promises here. I love RG3. I feel like I was one of the first guys to really uh, hit that guy's bandwagon last year. I think we got the right guy, and a lot that's gonna drive a lot of people nuts. Uh, and the thing is that there there are some intangibles there that I can't really explain right now. There's something about just watching, and I mean it's. It's the little things right now because I mean I can't really sit there and watch the guy uh, bombs away to uh, receive. I mean our guys aren't getting aren't getting open. Right. We don't passes. have the wide receivers, but I think We're, you also have the benefit of Tannehill. Obviously, fits Philbin's scheme, and well, I don't know if RG three would. Well, what I was going to say is, I mean, we're missing out on the ooh and ah moments right yeah. now. We're not getting a lot of that, but. The little things right now are blowing me away. Like uh, last night, just how that guy stands in the face of pressure. He does. Undaunted, gets rid of the ball, doesn't let, I mean, and delivers it on point. Uh, is takes the hit, gets up, does it again. Uh, is I don't know. I mean, that sounds stupid to say, like, well, you're going to take this guy over Robert Griffin because he's better at taking pressure. No, but I think that. I mean, you think about what this guy's coming into. I mean, this guy had everyone shaking the overrated stick at him, talking right. about how much, of, how much of a reach he is and how much he's going to suck and how much of a plus he's going to be and all this other crap. He's got an unbelievable amount of pressure on him. And all he's doing is just coming in and just taking it in stride and just making the throws and just doing it, not not saying a lot. And, I, I mean, I love it. I couldn't be more impressed by it, and the, the guy, the guy is throwing. Uh, uh, how many touchdowns does he have in the preseason? One. I think he has one touchdown and one dropped. I know. I know that there's been a. a I mean, Fasano should have caught that ball uh, uh, last week. I know that uh, there's that pass interference uh, ball that yeah, he, that went that went by last night. But the thing he is, he also had another one that. Was taken back because yeah. um, was it? Yeah, that one of Wallace. 
Yeah, Wallace. Yep. Yeah. So and he also good. led a touchdown drive against Carolina. He didn't throw one, but he got us down the field. Yes, and Daniel he Thomas did, scored. and Daniel Thomas ran it in. I don't. And there's a lot of intangibles with this guy that are are just reeling me in. And I mean, I, I'm not going to top myself. I talked about us bringing him in as far back as last November, and I had a lot of people laugh at me. I, I made a I made a wager with uh, Finhead that Tannehill would be drafted higher than Landry Jones. In a roundabout way, I still won that. <laughs> uh, because I mean, even if Landry Jones comes out, I think Tannehill goes above him. I mean, are you are you seriously gonna you're gonna I mean, no, experience wise, uh, Tannehill loses, but you're I mean, you saw how Jones finished that season. There's no way yeah. in hell Tannehill goes lower than he than uh, Jones. So I don't know it's those things where I just watch him make the throws. He just looks. I mean, the thing is, he makes the game look easy. He does, and it's, and it's hard to say that because I mean, he hasn't he's thrown one touchdown. But you look how he how he stands in the pocket, or how he moves the pocket, how he goes ahead and and how he orchestrates that offense, and he, it looks easy. And he, I haven't seen that since you know who. And I think all. I think it's I think it's still amazing that he's a rookie, so the game hasn't even slowed slowed down for him yet. And yeah, and I feel like it is falling down from the I, I mean, obviously it's in the preseason. I mean, it's it's a lot. Right. It's a lot I, I think that he is standing up there and making reads and putting the ball in the right spot, and this game's still going to slow down more for him. It's going to get to the point where he is just standing there doing the Tom Brady. I'm going to stand here in the middle of the pocket. I'm not even moving my feet, and I'm just going to wait because that guy's going to be open here in just a second. And sure enough, he's open. I, I don't know. He has. Say again. Got another theory too that I came up with the other day, and it's ridiculous. You're gonna laugh at me. Okay. Um, I think Tannehill might be a candidate for Hakeem Olajuwon syndrome, where he excels because of things that are really uh, are unheard of for the quarterback position. I think the fact that Tannehill played receiver yep. is something that is huge. It's almost like it is. It like quickly develops that synergy. He he can think like a receiver. He understands the breaks. He understands their routes. He understands the a lot of nuances that I think a lot of quarterbacks miss out on. I think that's I mean, true. I think it is. Uh, I, I I've seen it a couple times. I think my brother has said it to me a couple times that it's it's kind of sad that right now it really looks like the Dolphins' best receiver is their quarterback. But I think I think it does. I think him being a wide receiver helps because he can talk to the wide receivers and give them, hey, I want you to run this route exactly like this. Because he knows what he's looking for as a quarterback, and he also knows how that wide receiver is looking at the field. So it, it does. I think it does help. I love him, man. I'm totally – no, I mean I was at a fan league to begin with, but yeah, I mean any any uh, pause that I had with that guy is pretty much gone. I mean, I mean, let it rip. I mean, he's going to lose a lot of games. He's going to just yep. But, but I, I mean, mean we also have to real, remember that Peyton Manning was thir- three and thirteen and threw twenty eight or twenty nine interceptions as a rookie, and Peyton seems to have turned around okay. No, I, I was talking about the 89 Cowboys. I think uh, what, what was Aikman was like what 0 11 that year. I mean, he was uh, just 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was just beaten on. But the thing is, they had, when you have that guy in place, I mean, and he had Michael Irvin at that point. I mean, when, I, mean I would kill for uh, Michael Irvin's, uh, like, third cousin at this point for a receiver. But the thing is, we have the guy in place we can we can build around him. I mean, and it's something where I, I meant to bring this up, and I think we're probably going to run out of time, but if that draft next year becomes a lot more defined when you have a quarterback. Yes, absolutely. I mean, because in terms of the receiving talent, and especially when you're running filled in scheme, and I talked about this today because somebody was arguing with me about taking receivers early, and I was like, I'm not a fan of the idea unless the skill set is clearly defined, it's what you look for, it's elite, why, I mean, what's with the pretensions, just take it. So, I mean, it's something where when these guys, I mean, we're going to get our guys. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah, we are just about out of time. Um, I do want to say we we have, we have moved back to the 90-minute podcast instead of the hour. But I do that. I'm sorry. I think no, no. We've we've done it the last what three, four times. Um, I think uh, I think that we're, we are set up for success now. Um, it's a matter of building around it, and it is it is a spark. We we have that little itty bitty flame right now, and we have to protect it and let it grow, and build around it. So that we can have – wow, that was a weird play. The BYU quarterback just threw a ball a yard to a, to a running back that was in the middle of a block. Um, sorry. Not bad. No, but John Beck is starting for uh, – or is playing for at least the Texans tonight oh. in their final preseason game. Um, but uh, they, they, we, we, we are at the point where – we need to just realize it's time to settle in, understand this is probably going to be a bad year, and hope that Tannehill comes out of this okay, and we're ready to build around him, and we get the talent around him over the next year that we need. Because, I mean, clearly we are in a youth movement right now, and the uh, the – Veterans, I mean, obviously they're not going to be happy about it because they are seeing guys like Vontae, who has three years in the league already, or is in his is going into his fourth year, right? Oh nine, ten, eleven, twelve, yeah. So he has three years. So we're seeing the veterans go away. But I think uh, once we get this settled and we get this um rebuild complete over the next year, year and a half, I think we'll probably be straight and Tannehill's going to be the guy to lead us. And I'm not, I'm not going to say it. And I know you, uh, you, you made mention of the guy we don't want to name and I'm not going to say that he's going to be that guy, but he's going to be the closest to that guy that we've seen since he retired. You can be the logical continuation that I'm looking for. I'm looking to yes. duplicate what we exactly. Have. We're yeah, we're not trying to game. we're not trying to get another Marino. We're trying to no, replace no, Marino. Yes, but I didn't say that he was. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're not um, trying to get the next Dan or we're not trying to yeah, we're not trying to get the next Dan Marino. We're trying to get the guy to fill in the spot and fill it in well enough. 
to succeed. Yeah. So now it's all about uh, getting playmakers on defense. I mean, because you said, like, I mean, this is going to be part of rebuilding is the youth movement, and you're going to see that. You're going to see a lot of positions get younger. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be really frustrating. It is going to suck at points. Yes, uh, absolutely. One thing I'm, all I'm really looking forward to this year is I'd love to see Tannehill pull out a, tough, a couple of tough games. You know, I want to see him battle. Maybe maybe he battles hard in a couple of games and he loses, whatever. I, I mean, right. I'm fine with that. I obviously want to win those games, but I want him to get that kind of game experience. I want to see what he's made of in the clutch because that's the that's, – the biggest question about him right now is can he win football games? And this year is going to be kind of a, a slanted affair. Absolutely. Because he, I mean, he's got the deck stacked against him anyway in terms of talent on offense, it seems. So, but I want to see him bail. I want to see him better out, win some tough games, and if I get that, I'm going to be satisfied. Right. But, okay, real quick, since we are over the 90-minute mark, um, Two last things before we go ahead and end the show. First one is a plane accident yesterday where the Dolphins plane backed into another plane, damaging the wing, and the Dolphins ended up staying in Dallas about four extra hours. So they didn't get in until sometime around 7 o'clock this morning. And uh, most of the players are pretty tired. Um, Any thoughts or any reason to think that that's why we haven't heard about any cuts yet. That the Dolphins organization just went, you know what? Let the guy sleep. We've got a day. We'll bring him in and talk to him, and then we'll release the cuts. I think that might be part of it, but I think some of it, I think some of it too. And I mentioned last night on the on the game thread is, you know, I, I think they wanted to get back and watch some of the tape of this game to kind of see some of those fringe guys and see what they did. So I think there was, you know, some tape watching going on. And I think, you know, I think that'll happen with most of the teams. I think you're going to see the, uh, them wait just a little bit. It's not going to happen, you know, like the games are over now and then right. know, 20 minutes. I think they're going to go back, watch some tape, see, you know, all right, well, this guy did this, this guy did that. Then uh, then, then make the, make the decision. And the, the deadline – the deadline is not until 9 p.m. tomorrow. So it's not like it's during the day. And the team does have a practice tomorrow. So they could very easily go, you know what, let's bring them all back. Let's see them one last time for those fringe guys and who's on the bubble, and we'll make the decision after the practice. So that's a valid point, too. I just thought of the plane thing just now. but And my last point before we go is – uh if you guys didn't see it, it's the first time I've seen him in like a big role on ESPN, but Jason Taylor definitely was in there doing analysis. And of course they wanted to keep asking him about how bad the dolphins were going to be. And he just kind of gave the towing the party line almost of they'll have struggles, but they're a young team and they'll learn. And then he closed lined it and it was off. <laughs> just a, uh, a quick note. Quick note for the uh, Canes fans out there that the uh, linebacker that blew his knee up for the Steelers was Sean Johnson, and it was a preliminary diagnosis, torn ACL, torn LCL, and dislocated kneecap. Oh. So, yeah, wow. it was hideous. 
Um, they said uh I saw something on Twitter today that um Lane has caused two concussions this preseason, which is a team record causing two concussions during the preseason. <laughs> but yeah. So any last minute around the horn, any last minute things you guys uh want to bring up? Well, I'll give my Super Bowl picks because I didn't give them. Oh yeah, you never did, did you? That's right, because we started doing. Yeah, I'll make mine quick. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Steelers and the Panthers. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm in it. I I think the Panthers are. They're. I think they're underrated. Uh, I think Cam Newton's gonna play well. I think their teams, their receivers around them are better. I think uh, the defense has gotten better, especially with Keekley. That dude's a beast. Uh, their secondary is good. I think if if their defensive tackles can step up and stay healthy and uh, and stop the run, they're going to be a tough team to beat. And uh, I mean, you saw what they did to us. They moved up and down the field like we weren't there. They they've got a lot of weapons and a lot of talent. And I think you know Cam Newton's coming into his own, so they're they're flying a little under the radar. But I think they have a chance to uh, upset some folks. Right. And uh, James, you never gave yours. What are your? Uh... I think yeah, Houston and Green Bay with Houston winning it all. Yes. See, I'm not by I myself think, this year. I think their defense is yeah, their defense is going to be really good this year. Last and their year, everybody thought I was people. crazy. Everybody thought I was crazy last year. Well, I'm liking. Well, you the might fact be crazy, that, uh, but that has nothing to do with your picks. That's true. But well, you guys all have a good night. Uh, thanks to Jason Scott, E Dove, and Dolphin fan and uh, Dolphin fan for life. Wow, I wish I could talk um, for calling in tonight. We'll be back uh, next week, next Thursday, as uh, we talk about the first NFL game, which will be on Wednesday night, and get ready for the Dolphins' first game, which will be Sunday. So we're there. We're officially at the football season. Guys, thanks you, thank you for calling in and helping me out tonight because I sound like this. And uh, you guys all have a good night. Good night. Good night. Later, and, everyone. Uh, and Keith, just so you know, and just so everybody knows, I once thought I had mono for an entire year. It turned out I was just really bored. Good night, everybody. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.